Jesus Bible and Current Events from a Christian Perspective, Battling Spiritual Wickedness in High Places, One Podcast at a Time. This is the High Places Podcast. Hello everyone, this is Jim, and I, wait, what? What is that? Do you hear that? Wait, that sounds like the... It sounds like the Soviet National... But wait, it's in English. It's in... Wait. Wait, Soviet Union? What is going on here? Something's a little... Uh, yes, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Ah, otherwise known as AOC. I like to think of her as the OC, because there's none other like her. AOC and her uh, Red New De- uh, Green New Deal. Uh, probably heard about this. I don't know if any of you have uh, had a chance to download this and read this. This is some exciting reading. There are so many things. I'm going to apologize up front if this kind of meanders. There's so much here. I don't know how uh, to put any structure around this because there's so many interesting things. And so um, the most interesting thing about this has nothing to do with the environment. Uh, There's so much more in here that has nothing to do with the environment, but the environment and climate change is the catalyst for these things. And so the climate change issue, uh, you know, there are good people on both sides and uh, there are probably bad people on both sides. Um, But for Christians, there's some underlying things here that are particularly interesting. And so I'm just going to start going through these and talk about these things because there's something um, uh, here that... um, uh, people should be concerned about, uh, not just from a uh, personal freedom standpoint, but how it can impact uh, Christians in our country moving forward. Uh, so I actually have the resolution here. Yeah, let's see. The first part of it talks about, yeah, there's all of the uh, climate stuff and lots of numbers and big dollar amounts too, because they want to talk about um, how much money we're losing because of co- uh, climate change and all these other things um, to try to justify whatever expenditure uh, it costs to implement this thing. And then they say, yeah, but, you know, it, we spend this, but it'll save us this or we'll get this back. And so that's the run up for that. But as I uh, go through this a little bit, there's, uh, let me see. Where to start? Uh, <laughs> um, the first part, like I said, talks about uh, all this climate stuff, and then it gets into something else. It gets into um, the social justice issues, really, that um, one may have a hard time actually linking to anything related to the environment. It's, this is almost like a catch-all, but I don't think this is accidental. And they're trying to make links here, but um, it's uh, they're talking about some of the things they talk about 
uh, you know, create millions of good high-wage jobs in the United States. Well, anytime a politician wants to spend a bunch of money, uh, they talk about how many, you know, great jobs it's going to create. Uh, both sides of the aisle do that. Nobody's ever come out in favor of uh, eliminating lots of high-wage jobs. Um, but there's this interesting section in here that one of the purposes of this is to counteract systemic injustices. And there's a section on this. And there's a whole bunch of things they want to do. And some of these are really, really funny. Uh, so create millions of good high-wage jobs. That's terrific. And then, But the rest of that sentence, and ensure prosperity and economic security for all people of the United States. Ensure prosperity. Well, um, I, it seems like it'd be hard for the government to do that because different people have different skills. People have uh, different people have different uh, attitudes towards work. Uh, some people uh, work very hard and are very ambitious, and other people um, live in their parents' basement till they're forty. Uh, but uh, so just that's just a start. Um, so this is an interesting section. And there's some key words in here that are, um, that kind of jump out at a, a person. Um, to promote justice, there's a social justice, and equity by stopping current, preventing future, and repairing historic oppression of indigenous communities, communities of color, migrant communities, deindustrialized communities, depopulated rural communities, the poor, low-income workers, women, the elderly, the unhoused, people with disabilities, and youth, referred to in, uh, and parenthetically referred to in this resolution as, quote, frontline and vulnerable communities, end quote. So the word in here that was um, interesting was uh, repairing historic oppression. So it sounds like reparations. Uh, well, but since you're writing uh, big checks for lots of things, you might as well um, you know, pass out some money for folks. But again, you know, different people, uh, well-meaning people can have a difference of opinion on those things, and that's fine. And so as we go on, and, you know, some more climate stuff, uh, including upgrading all existing buildings in the United States and build, building new buildings to achieve maximum energy efficiency. So how do you um, how do you do that upgrading all buildings? What if somebody doesn't want their what if somebody doesn't want solar panels on the roof um, or a windmill in their front yard? Um, do you do you make them do that? Huh. Uh, let's see more stuff. High speed rail, so we don't have to take airplanes anymore because we'll be able to take a train everywhere. Well. Um, don't don't plan any uh, Hawaiian vacations. Um, there's and so there there's all this talk about you know infrastructure, um, energy, uh, as we just discussed, buildings, uh, ensuring jobs for everybody. Um, and there's an interesting line in here about um, the public receiving an appropriate ownership stake. Huh. And returns on investment. 
So, um, the public well, what public are they talking about? Well, public versus private. We're talking about the government. So the government receives ownership stakes in some of these things. Rail, the high-speed rail. So are we talking about nationalizing our transportation system and power production? If all this is tied to green energy, getting rid of fossil fuels, uh, so too bad if you're a coal miner or you work in uh, Texas, Oklahoma, Louisiana, North Dakota, uh, places where they drill for oil and process oil. Um, as the United States becomes the largest producer of oil, exporter of oil in the world now, um, larger than Saudi Arabia, the United States is the Saudi Arabia of oil. <laughs> um, but why do we want that? Um, yeah, ensure the, uh, ensuring that the Green New Deal mobilization creates high-quality union jobs. Um, so uh, that's fine. I don't have anything against unions, but do you require it? Is it a closed shop type of thing? Do people have the option to not give part of their paycheck to the union so that the union can use those wages for achieving political goals? Hmm, someone might not want their money to go to that. Um, guaranteeing a job with a family-sustaining wage, adequate family and medical leave, paid vacations, and retirement security to all people of the United States. Guaranteeing a job, guaranteeing a job with a family-sustaining wage. So... Is the government going to... So how does that work exactly? That the government's going to guarantee a job. What happens if someone doesn't have the skills that the market requires? Is the government going to provide them a job? So we're not just talking about extra money to build out infrastructure and power and all these other things for climate. We're talking about guaranteeing everyone a job. Um... Okay. Um, uh, again, the uh, unionization, and uh, that's why there's lots of good trade unions out there. It's just the idea of um, trying to make people do that. Uh, strengthen and enforce labor workplace health and safety, anti-discrimination, and wage and hours wage and hour standards across all employers industries, and sectors. Wait, is the government going to set wages? Uh, we have liberals already saying that uh, uh, a system that allows for billionaires is immoral. Immoral. So, are they going to make sure the system doesn't allow for that? And are they going to uh, set wages? across all employers, industries, and sectors? Hmm. The government will also guarantee affordable, safe, and adequate housing. That's the uh, resolution. 
the FAQ is interesting as well. It talks about uh, the creation of when when people ask, you know, how are you going to pay for this? Um, the response in the FAQ, and we we won't cover all of the FAQ. We're going to leave the cows alone. Um, the same way we paid for the New Deal, the 2008 bank bailout, and extended quantitative easing programs. The same way we paid for World War II and all our current wars. The Federal Reserve can extend credit. So, for all those things, we went into debt. Uh, if you look at the national debt during World War II, it was huge. Uh, I think people remember the kind of debt issues we've got, uh, we got into with the 2008 uh, bank bailout. We doubled the national debt uh, during uh, from 2008 to uh, 2016. So um, that's the solution. And the Federal Reserve can extend credit. So a private bank, the Federal Reserve, is going to extend credit. So they're going to like this. Uh, the U.S. government will be paying interest to them for the next uh, one, two, three thousand years uh, for these amounts of money. Huh. And the government will take an equity stake. So now you have government ownership of all of these projects, at least partial ownership. So are we talking about nationalizing massive sectors of the economy? Because this covers health care as well. So the government's going to guarantee health care, guarantee you a job, guarantee you a college education, whether you're qualified for it or not, uh, guarantee you what your salary should be and make sure that certain people don't make too much, um, guarantee you a job whether you want, uh, want one or not, or guarantee you an income whether you want a job or not. The um, famous line about... Uh, guaranteeing a livable wage for people who are unable or unwilling <laughs> to work. Economic security for all who are unable or unwilling to work. Hmm. How much is this? It's hard to pin people down on a number. But in the FAQ, uh, the, one of the bullets says uh, the the level of investment required is massive. This is an interesting line. Even if every billionaire and company, even if every billionaire and company came together and were willing to pour all the resources at their disposal into this investment, the aggregate value of the investments they could make would not be sufficient. <laughs> so every billionaire and every company pouring all the resources at their disposal wouldn't be sufficient. Wow. That sounds like a big number. <laughs> so basically all the wealth of the country would not be sufficient. Hmm. Okay. Uh, they're um, quick to point out uh, the supporters uh, that they have. And they list off a bunch of people, including sitting senators, uh, any number of whom are running for president. And so this would be funny if it were like some fringe third-party group, uh, you know, the uh, 
American Communist Party or something like that. But this is uh, technically the uh, supported primarily by the single largest political party in the United States and by sitting senators, senators who's, who were elected by the people of their entire state. Um, <laughs> so, um, what is all this? Well, this is the Marxism that uh, we've been talking about. I'm sure some people uh, kind of recoil a little bit when I use that term to people who have labor labeled themselves as socialists or democratic socialists or things like that. But um, if we look at this and look at what Marx um, viewed socialism as, um, he just saw socialism as the first phase of a communist society. And so uh, the definition of this sort of thing, communism, socialism, is when the government controls the means of production. So if the government has ownership in these massive parts of the society, um, if they're setting up their own banks, um, if they're guaranteeing jobs, which means they control the livelihoods of everyone, housing, they're going to provide housing. It's that line about, you know, if a government is uh, big enough to give you everything you want, it's big enough to take it all away. Um, and this is a massive reach by the government into every corner of society. If your job, if your house, if the electricity that powers your lights, if all of this is controlled by the government and the government wants to do something, what are you going to say? What are you going to do to stop it? The problem for Christians is that Marxism is um, distinctly anti-religion and particularly anti-Christian. We can see that today in China and the crackdown that the communist government uh, has had on Christian churches and even more so recently. Vladimir Lenin said, uh, Atheism is a natural and inseparable part of Marxism, of the theory and practice of scientific socialism. Natural and inseparable. Marx called it the opium of the people. Um, so... It's funny because for all, I'm old enough to remember the Cold War. In fact, I lived through more than half of the Cold War. And anybody talking like this would just be, they would just be considered crazy. Um, and traitorous for basically siding with the Soviet Union. But when the Soviet Union went away, now all of a sudden, Marxists could be more vocal about their beliefs and their desires because they weren't seen as siding with the enemy. They just had a different view of things. And so it's funny to watch the um, more established liberals in Washington 
and how they're trying to tamp this down? Because these are the folks who have been Marxists, but you don't want to make the mistake of coming right out and promoting Marxism um, uh, because some Americans still like the idea of thinking for themselves. Um, and so what you do is do it through the back door by sneaking things into le uh, regulations uh, and legislation uh, through bureaucracies, uh, through the courts, uh, and you do this sort of, it's the slow march through the institutions, uh, the Frankfurt School. Um, but the, uh, the younger, uh, Marxists, they're right up front about it there because they're revolutionaries and, uh, apparently don't understand subtlety. So they're not, so, I mean, you have to give them credit and, uh, uh, good old, uh, AOC, I, I believe she's uh, sincere about this. I don't think these are political calculations. If they are, if they are, they'd be really terrible ones. Um, but the fact that she's sincere about it is what's scary. And the willingness of people to basically say, we are going, we want the government um, to control major parts of your life. We already see what the government does uh, to Christians, Christian businesses. Um, we can already see what the government's done uh, about kicking God out of school. Uh, we talked last time about the discrimination at a public university in Iowa against Christian groups. And this is without all this massive government power being legislated and, and put into effect. It's just happening now through all these backdoor means. Can you imagine what would happen if the government actually got all this power? So what is this about? So why is all there this, you know, crazy environment stuff in here? And then all this other kind of social justice government power grab stuff. Well, this is the whole Hegelian dialectic, right? You start out by making some radical demand. And then uh, you get your opponent to engage with you. And then you have a compromise and you meet in the middle somewhere. And so you've still moved the bar towards your direction and moved your opponent in that direction. You've just done it in a smaller chunk. So you started out by coming up with the most radical propositions you can think of. And then if you wind up splitting the difference, you're still 50% of the way to where you wanted to be. And then you just do it again. We saw that whole thing with uh, gay marriage. Uh, it started out with, you know, civil unions. And uh, progressed from there. Uh, this is uh, Saul Alinsky, uh, Rules for Radicals. This is formulaic. It's right out of his book. And so all the crazy environment stuff in 10 years, I, that stuff will probably fall by the wayside. But these other things that are couched in terms of providing good jobs and guaranteeing education and housing, and I mean, who's against you know, people not being homeless and people not working and all this other stuff. But it's this creeping, these creeping things. Because uh, as soon as the government has control over these things, they have control over your lives. Um, and we already see, unfortunately, in this country, people who call themselves Christians, who already back down and censor themselves because they're afraid of losing their job. They're afraid of missing out on a chance for a promotion. 
Um, they're afraid of getting bad grades in their college classes and not getting their degrees. And so there's already a degree of self-censorship, and that's before the government and the Marxists um, control the roof over your head. Uh, so um, the, the thing to be concerned about uh, with all this is not, uh, you know, what they're going to do to the poor cows or, uh, you know, put Boeing out of business because no one will need an airplane anymore. Um, it's these other things. It's these other things that will be the compromise items. And how step by step uh, the government will get more control over people's lives. And worse than that, really, um, these people who do not like God, these are the same people who uh, favor abortion, uh, late-term abortion, uh, as we talked about last time, post-birth abortion, uh, who favor drug legalization. There's people on both sides of the aisle with that. Um, but these are oligarchs who want to uh, just control people and do the devil's bid bidding. And the more control they have over uh, people's lives, um, the more evil that they can introduce in, in those people's lives, and the more they can repress the truth of the gospel and the things that uh, the thing that will deliver people from their enslavement to sin and their final damnation in hell. If you have people that are overtly anti-God, uh, we already see this going on with, uh, as we talked about again last time, uh, Christians and appointments to government positions. They're not even afraid of it anymore. That's the interesting thing about all this. The number of people, including all these people running for president, who are just unafraid to talk about these things now, to actually propose doing these things and having the power and being very close to being able to do those things. And even the liberals that are trying to control them and at the very least get them to be more subtle, they're getting trounced. Um, uh, you know, th these are people that... Uh, uh, you, uh, New York uh, recently with uh, Amazon deciding to pull out of uh, New York City. Uh, you know, it was the old guard, uh, Cuomo, the governor, who was, you know, working to get this in place and, you know, doing deals at 25,000 jobs. Um, but it's these, uh, these new young Marxists uh, who are the ones that uh, basically made sure those jobs uh, left the city. Um, and they considered it a victory and they kind of, you know, kind of thumbed their nose at the old guard, uh, that did this, um, because Marxists aren't against jobs. They're just against private sector jobs. Everybody should be working for the government, just like in the Soviet Union. Uh, and everybody should get their housing from the government, just like in the Soviet Union, because then the government can control everybody. And... Um, they can institute atheism uh, just like in China just like in the Soviet Union just like in Cuba um, just like North Korea and look at the oppression that happens um, but interestingly it's when the true church is 
oppressed that you see these great examples of faith. And so as we've discussed before, there's a time coming for Christians in this country um, where their faith is going to be uh, tested, called upon. Are they going to stand up for Jesus? And I, I used to tell the young people at our church, you know, you're going to have a socialist president in your lifetime. And now I think I'm going to have a socialist president in my lifetime. Um, and everything that comes with that. Um, and so the uh, persecution that we see of Christians in other countries and that we've only started to see here, um, the, the intense persecution that you see elsewhere uh, seems like it might come to our shores a, a whole lot sooner than a lot of us thought it would. And so these things we've been discussing, um, making sure that uh, Jesus is your top priority and not the world, not the world. Um, because if we love the things of the world, if we're too attached to them, then when it comes time to choose, that choice gets much harder. And we may have to choose even more so about our job, about our housing, about our education, about the opportunities available to us, all those things, or Jesus. So it's probably good to detach ourselves or at least reprioritize these other things and make sure that Jesus is our number one priority that we talk to him every day, that we ask for his help, that we praise him and glorify him and thank him for saving us for the incredible sacrifice he made for us. To study his word and to ask him for the strength to help us be faithful because things are happening and they are happening quickly and it's only through God's strength and the strength he gives us through his spirit that we will be able to stand up and be faithful and preach the word in season and out of season and be able to give a good testimony and deal with the hardships that are coming. So now's our time to uh, get prepared, put on the full armor of God before the battle uh, so that we're ready for when the battle takes place. God help us all. We live in interesting times. That's going to be it for this time. Please feel free to email us at podcast at jesusforsinners.com and be sure and tell all your friends. We'll talk to you again soon. God bless everybody. Good night.